I am Lucas Mack, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I am Lucas Mack. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited to bring you this guest. First of all, it's a very timely episode. I think you're going to get some very practical takeaways that will help you in the coming transition of what's happening on the earth. But also, you're going to hear one of the most fascinating stories, I think, ever. Jess Caldwell is one of the most fascinating people I've ever talked with. And this is a long episode, but I think every minute of it has value for you as a listener. Um, Jess has been a prepper, an extreme prepper, and now she is an outdoors, um, she foraging and hunting and uh, outdoor preparedness. She's an incredible, incredible person and someone that I really enjoyed talking with on this episode. And I know you will enjoy hearing it as well. So blessings, everyone. Jess, thanks for joining me and everyone enjoy. Dear sister, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing so great. And it's so great to actually see your face since we are on Zoom and and be able to see your, uh, hear your words to your face because I've been a fan here recently of your work. Same, same with me to you. I mean, we just got, thankfully, my brother uh, made the introduction. You were on his podcast, The Soulful Hunter, and and I'm honored to have you on. Um, You are fascinating. I mean, I, my brother and I, my brother's a hunter and we like the outdoors. We're I love like every survival show. I'm addicted to them. I can't get enough of them. And then here right. you are. in the last season of alone that I, uh, that's on Netflix season seven, two females were three of the finalists, you know, two of the three finalists. And it's really powerful to see. It's almost like the divine feminine. I was talking to a client this morning doing a coaching call. The divine feminine has risen so strongly Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful to see. And so I feel like you're embodying that. So thank you. Thank you. I, I, the, those words, divine feminine, they're powerful and they speak to me for sure. Mm. Um, and I feel like the nature-based learning is certainly um, something that fuels that fire, that flame. Yeah. And so we can't wait to talk about it. And oh. your brother is great too. It was so fun to talk with him and him oh, being okay. a hunter and, yeah. um, so, wow, your family is so very dynamic. Thanks. Thanks. Well, okay. So before we get into what you're doing now, share your life growing up and how you got in. Where'd you get the love of the outdoors? I got the, yeah, that I, that I really got from my dad. Um, and my dad was, um, you know, he was a, he was a salesman actually for, for fine men's clothing. He was in the clothing industry, which is interesting. Um, you know, he would travel from the, you know, Pacific Northwest to New York and back and, and was always involved with the latest fashion of men's clothing. Well, at some point his father died Mm -hmm. and, um, I think he hit what some would call a midlife crisis of, uh, an awakening of the realities of death and the realities of our time on earth. And he really shifted gears. Um, there was a divorce with my parents and he moved out, 
um, he actually took me with him and we drove out to Vernal, Utah, and he discovered an old, um, well, a, a very old that belonged to his great grandfather. I, you know, it would look like their settlement. And he deconstructed it log by log, numbered each of those logs and hauled it all back um, to Oregon. That's where I was raised so that he could basically rebuild it and live out in the middle of nowhere. And he started getting into horses and riding and um, even I think deep philosophy. I think he was starting, I, I noticed even when I was young, I was looking at some of the books he was reading mm -hmm. at the time, um, you know, like the, uh, the Road Less Traveled and, um, you know, some of these kind of epics that um, I could, even at a young age could tell he was going through big things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so luckily he took me along for the ride. I definitely would go, you know, travel the six hours to be out in the middle of nowhere with him where the nearest store was a, you know, a good hour and a half drive. Wow. And, um, and he really let me be pretty, uh, free range. Let's put it that way. It was like the, the original free range. And I had a, he got me a horse and, um, he would say, you know, just be back by dusk, you know, and I would go, go off and, and, um, build little fires and pretend I was, you know, just this woman of the land, this young woman of the land who was, you know, raised wild. And, um, and it just, that's, you know, we, it was, there was nothing to do. There was no TVs or internet or anything. And so our time there was, uh, it would have been really boring had I not had a really big imagination. Mm. And um, I think that fueled in me, you know, getting to dream about what it meant to be a part of the, the wilderness and, and to explore it and to see things and be that engaged. Um, so he really, I mean, that he was a big piece to that. Um, but I have to also later give credit to my stepfather um, who married my mom, who's been just absolutely a hero to my family um, in his care for my mother. And he, when I was 14 and struggling, I never really fit in well with, um, as a middle school girl, I was, I felt pretty awkward and maybe as most of us do and um, really struggled with uh, my sense of belonging and place and acceptance of myself. And when I was really struggling, because um, I was, uh, he sent me on a on a outward bound, a three week outward bound, uh, uh, basically three weeks just traveling the Pacific Crest Trail. Wow. Um, and I was 14 at the time. It changed. I mean that that those later years when it really mattered to find my way. Um, that that coming of age was everything to me and I needed it. Um, and I came back a different person um, when I did that three weeks, you know, everything from, um, you know, we had to, we had 50 to 60 pound backpacks and we would, we were heading up to places where you needed an ice ax to stop yourself from a fall. And, mm. um, you know, we were experiencing things that were epic. Um, we did a three day solo at the end of the three weeks where they leave you to be by yourself for three days with nothing but, um, you know, a little bag of gorp and a headlamp and, <laughs> and your tarp. Um, and that was, I think, uh, you know, I needed that time to integrate the three weeks. Um, and that, that 
time alone and that time um, to observe and that time to feel. When I came back, um, I was, I felt so different as a young woman and it, it just, that forever changed me. I had those peak moments young Amazing. and here I am an adult trying to, not trying, doing, uh, doing the work to, to re-engage that at that level. Hmm. That's powerful. So <laughs> three days by yourself at the age of 14 in the, in the mountains. Yeah. How many, um, how many other, was it all girls were, was it co-ed? How many were co-ed. with you? Yeah. Yeah. Co-ed. And there was probably, I'm guessing about eight in our group. Um, one boy had to be airlifted out. Um, two of us almost were airlifted out. I was one of them with hypothermia. Um, we had some extreme moments, but we, but it was very bonding. Um, you know, it, it was extraordinary to have that experience with both young women and young men. Yeah. Wow. You know, just watching you talk, listening to you talk, I'm struck by the, the facade of this world, the matrix world, this, this digital falsity that everyone thinks is real. And I'm looking at you talk and you're, I can tell incredibly intelligent and watching the show um, alone, those people who survive the longest, I mean, everyone that's on there, you know, all the contestants or any of these shows, hyper intelligent, holistically intelligent and not so focused on, you know, whether people are programmers or whether people get the matrix system has like made our intelligence be so singularly focused where you're saying that you, your imagination is what saved you. And think of what I think so often I've been watching my children and we went on this family vacation with another family and just the contrast of the children that are so in their devices all the time. And I don't know. I, anyway, I'm just struck. I'm just commenting on, it takes so much intelligence to survive point zero in on this earth. And yet maybe that's where we're going, where intelligence will be reclaimed our birthright of humanity on this planet, which I am. Absolutely. And I think people are, I think, um, you know, we're all born with this. Well, first of all, thank, thank you for the sincere compliments of your heart. I feel that. And, um, as I mentioned, those things go right to my solar plexus and I feel them. I'm a feeler. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I think we are, you know, we're all born with this innate wisdom. Um, and, and then along the way, um, it's always there. It's always accessible as you know, and along the way, there's things that can distract us. Um, they're, they're strong distractions. Um, and especially of this day and of this time, um, one of the things I love about being alive right now, I mean, I wouldn't, as much as I have nostalgia for our ancestral past, which I do, um, I wouldn't want to be alive at any other time. I think we are, we are, we have a signature and we are born of the here and the now for a very powerful reason to be in the here and the now. And, and so we are in this unique time of the modern lifestyle and the technologies available to us, the communication available to us, mm-hmm. um, the, the modalities of learning. 
I mean, it is like the matrix. You mentioned that we literally can take on downloads through YouTube yeah. that are just like <laughs> Keanu Reeves plugging right. in right. And being like, I don't know how to do something. Plug in, download. I know how, I know how to know how to do the <laughs> thing. That's a, great, that's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> so we're there. We're doing yeah. it, and um, and we have that available to us. So then it's like with all this information, um, one of the things that I find there is so much I could dive into on all the things I want to learn and explore in my time here on Earth, and sometimes it's overwhelming to mm -hmm. because I'm such a life learner and I want to get into everything. I mean, I, you open up the book of spirituality and quantum physics and science and noetic sciences. And I'm like, I could spend a lifetime just diving into that. If you open up the book of outdoor ancestral skills, traditional skills, I, I would spend a lifetime learning that, I, you know, if when it just comes to human connection and, and relationships, I mean, I, literally we have so much to choose from to engage our minds with. Yes. Honestly, the outdoor explorations I've been very much involved with, especially this last year, I've almost um, had to shift from technological downloads into just the real deal, mm. hands like boots on the ground, fingers in the dirt, because um, I have needed that for the integration right now, because there's so much to download that it's really for me just been, um, I have had the most impact in for myself this last year of putting the books away, putting YouTube away, unless it's absolutely needed, which it is sometimes, and then getting out there to have the um, physical realities of teachings hit me hmm. and integrate with me. That's, that's what I'm feeling. Beautiful. Um, so I want to go back briefly to you do this you do three day integration by yourself after this three week um, period and you come back into the world from that point to when you got into prepping, like, tell me about that, that journey. Mm. So I, my family would say I'm the seeker of the family. So it started young for me and probably because of some of these early childhood experiences of being alone and being alone in nature. Mm -hmm. um, I remember um, my, my dad brought me up skiing. He was a ski instructor and, and I was, um, th I was three years old on Mount Hood, you know, just going like on the front of his skis, back of his skis. And I, you know, I later was racing and got into GS and slalom skiing. But I remember being on the chairlift at, as early as I can remember. It was young, you know, maybe six years old, alone on the chairlift and looking down at my skis dangling and, and thinking thoughts like, who's the voice, who's the voice in my head? Is it me or is there, is there another voice? What happens if I were to jump right now? Would I die? Mm. What is, what does that even mean to die? Would I actually wake up and I, then I would not be dead, but alive. I mean, I'd have these profound thoughts all the time and found myself really um, from a, as a young woman being the, the seeker. Um, I know that as a teenager, I was seeking out a, a local shaman to work with me, mm. um, which you know, I have, unfortunately, some, 
I have tried, I've gone into all these paths of teachers and I've also been very much disappointed um, in, in the, those who are enlightened and, 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 and calling themselves teachers. So I've had, so in my, like, from being a young woman and transitioning into adulthood, I was really on a journey of, of, of wanting to understand the nature of reality and integrate it. Um, because I've always felt like I'm just kind of a traveling spacesuit and trying to, (laughs) (laughs) if that makes sense, I'm sure it does to you. Well, especially Uh, being the daughter of fine clothing, uh, father, you know, if I like that traveling spacesuit, that's great. Oh, he brought me back my, the very first pair of best jeans. I think I was five years old. And at the time I only wore dresses. I, I refused jeans and I, I had my own style that I would wear very, you know, elegant dresses. I mean, everywhere. And I'd wrap bungee cords around them as belts. And that was my (laughs) signature look. That's awesome. (laughs) And he brought me back the very first pair of, of guest jeans to ever hit the West coast. And I was like, Oh, ugh, means take <laughs> them awesome. away. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. I know, right? Very funny. Oh, um, but great. anyway, so um, so in my uh, as a young woman, um, actually, my dad died tragically and um, unexpectedly. That that pain and that shock was with me deeply, um, and I think I'm always trying to make you know, to really like understand the nature of death and why it comes the way it comes and how it arrives for different people and the, and, and the suffering that is here that we are all going to experience as humans. Um, And I think for me, life became very much a wake up call of like, wow, you could just die at any time. And so I, I think I was doing living life very much, um, there was a fear in me around death and, um, and around dying and around living and surviving. And, um, I happened to stumble upon this track of survival, uh, prepping lifestyle. It was actually through the channel of a spiritual group I was a part of at the time. And, um, I would call it my spiritual school because we did do a lot of things that spoke to me that I, that I appreciated that I would consider training of resiliency training, you know, mindfulness training, um, things that I value. And I'm glad I had the experience. Um, but the group really had, uh, um, really started moving into what's coming in a way that felt you know, the preparations needed to, to be prepared for what's coming. It had a fear-based message to me for people who are still in that group. They probably wouldn't call it fear-based, but education to prepare for what is coming. Mm -hmm. But at the time, the way I translated it and the way that I started um, using preparations as a way, you know, and, and the information coming in about what's possible for um, our society to have major, major events that would change the nature of how we live our lives. Um, That became uh, as the seeker in me and the person who's always lived a little bit edgy and a little bit different, this really spoke to me. And partially because I think I've always loved survival stuff. I love the very first book I read when I was was young, when I was young, I can't remember the name of it right now, but some of your listeners would probably know this book. It's iconic. It's about a boy who um, travels by a small plane to visit his uncle or something. The plane crashes. 
he's out in the middle of the wilderness, the, the pilot dies and he has to basically survive on his own as a young boy. It's a total coming of age story. Yes. It was, do you know the book? Yeah, I, know I think book. it's called Hatchet or something yeah, like that. I think it's Hatchet. Is it Hatchet? I think, I think it's Hatchet. Yeah. Yeah. But that was my favorite book growing up. And then I used to have dreams when I was younger, um, wherever I was living, you know, I would be like, this place has earthquakes. You know, this place, uh, if I would travel somewhere, I'd be like, I'd, I'd look up, I'd ask questions. What are the threats here? Um, what what do the people here have to fear in terms of um, nature? Um, is there volcanoes? I, I was thinking like this when I was young. And when I was a young woman, Christmas presents for me, for my family was um, bug out bags, <laughs> was, you know, was, um, you know, car auto um, packs for if you're, you know, if things go wrong while you're on the road. Yeah. So I, you know, I've always had this in me and I used to ha have very detailed, very vivid dreams about different calamities. Mm. And so I think this particular group really spoke to me because when they started talking about um being a more resilient human who needed to, you know, that we all needed to learn how to support ourselves and not rely on the food supply, the food chain, you know, our current model of how we receive food, how, you know, that we just, you know, have our air conditioning and our heating and, and we go to the grocery store and, and this is not sustainable um, given our you know, complexities of where we're at. So that all just really spoke to me. And then when I dove in, I dove in all the way, <laughs> That's awesome. all the way. So I'll just quickly, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to stop me. Cause I'm like a, this train oh, has I the station. No, it's good. This is good. Well, I, so the, the spiritual group, what, what did they anticipate? Was it like the pole shift? Was it all of it? Depending oh, yeah. on what year it was, I think in the yeah. in 2000, it was it right, you know, once there was a definitely polar shift talk, yeah. you know, there was talk of the Mayan calendar shift of what was coming from there. Yeah. Always the, you know, once 9-11 occurred, there was all sorts of talk of, of you know, uh, bioterrorism and, um, and just civil unrest, um, food shortages you know, viruses, famine, you name it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all the things and to then what's interesting is that I met uh, a man who I ended up marrying, mm -hmm. who um, professionally built underground bunkers for a living. Wow. Wow. And so his, his, um, and, and we've since divorced, but he is he's one of my best friends on the planet. I mean, we have two kids together. We partner like bosses, you know, we, we do this parenting thing. We live five minutes away from each other and we're very close. Um, thankfully I'm, I'm blessed and lucky to have that situation, but he, um, he built bunkers. Um, and we're talking underground three bedroom, two bedroom, what, you know, whatever homes under the earth. Um, some of these homes have uh, submarine doors because they're preparing for a potential um, massive earthquake that could result in a tsunami or even polar shift, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, uh, with global changes. Yeah. And I, given that this was super interesting to me, um, started selling um, and becoming a, a consultant for um, preparedness for um, freeze-dried food, emergency supplies, and then I would meet with those folks and help them to determine what they'd need based off their what their concern was for their shelter. 
Okay. So I, we were quite a power couple. <laughs> that sounds like, well, I have a, I have a wild bunker story. Everyone listening okay, this is going to be super wild. It's going to be wild. But, um, went ice fishing with uh, a friend he and his young son and uh, took my son we went out ice ice fishing this year and he was talking about um a friend of his who builds bunkers and for all i know it could be your husband i have no idea if it's the same person but he said yeah my he's russian guy is awesome he's like yeah my friend my friend builds bunkers he's like but not bunkers like you think, like bunkers, like real houses under the under the earth. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And and um, he said that he builds zombie bunkers. And this guy, this guy talking to me is not a joker. He's like a very serious guy. He was served in the Soviet army. He's like, oh yeah, he's hardcore. And I was like, zombie bunkers. And he said, especially in the Middle East, the sheikhs all have zombie bunkers they believe is in the middle east it's common belief that there will be a zombie like apocalypse apocalypse coming and he said i said well what is a zombie bunker there's some chamber (laughs) this is funny that we're talking about this but this is so good there's people out there building this up because zombie apocalypse scenario is my favorite by far so like i can't wait anywhere believe me we can go everywhere and anywhere so i said well what what makes it as a zombie bunker and he said there's a chamber that they basically bring them into and then there's a tube once they seal off the chamber there's somehow they shoot through a steel piping that's bent and all it does is ricochet in this room and kills everything that's in this first chamber. It doesn't have to be zombies. It could be, you know, people trying to get in, but it's a kill chamber before the bunker. And I'm like, wow. And all the he said everywhere in the middle East, all the shakes believe that there's going to be a zombie apocalypse. And then, you know, the CDC comes out with how to prepare for a zombie, you know, apocalypse. And people say that the CDC is just joking around, but then how do you know? There's no narrative. Right. Right. It's with all the other pages that they have. And it's like, Wow. Well, that is one of the most fascinating things I've heard. I mean, like, cause I have a lot of bunker stories, but that bunk, that, Bunker antidote is more, is over. That just hit so many new levels. Right? Yeah, that's wild, huh? This one, yeah. Wow, that is wild, and it's, and it's amazing to me that that many people are. Um, that's, you know, that 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 many people are thinking that way. Um, it, I'm sure it leads to also our where we might be going with this conversation around fear. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think there's a fine balance between you know, the uh, li- taking our t- precious time here on earth mm. where we never know when that next breath is coming and we have this absolute gift, power source, vibrant, cell vibrating energy, uh, exchanger, you know, brain receiver, powerhouse of a body. Mm. And what are we going to do with it? What What are we here to experience with it? Because we really all have that choice of what, we're going to use with our life, uh, how we will live with our life force and where we're, you know, and, and it really doesn't matter. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm actually through so many phases of my own personal journey that when I hear other people talk about theirs, I, it's more extraordinary to me and interesting. Um, I am, I don't consider myself, um, 
like the, the, like I have my own journey and the way I do things yeah. and I love other people's stories and how they live, how they choose to live their life and how they're doing what they're doing with their time here on earth. To me there, it's not bad or good or, yeah. you know, the right way or the wrong way. It's like, it's just your way. And it's, yeah fascinating and brilliant and sometimes super cool and super bizarre yeah. and there's you know it's, it's, it's what we got it's, it's cool it is it's the beauty of humanity that we're all this beautiful mosaic tapestry i was talking to um a coaching client this morning is that there's the system will always like your group that you're there will always be a a call based in fear to go down the way whether it's religion, philosophy, education, politically, there's always the way. Well, the way de-individualizes. The way brings the masses where we're no longer known as individuals. The way is a way. Just a lot of people conceding to a way together. And I think that's where the trap is. Everyone's looking for the way, the answer, the solution. Give me the and it comes back to being grounded and centered and present mm -hmm. and aware to detach and say, wait a minute, what's my way? What did I come here to explore? What's like, I'm get, making me sweat all of a sudden. I'm like, what am I here to explore? Like, let's attack something right now. <laughs> I feel like that's where we're all waking up to. I talk a lot about sovereignty is sovereignty is how I define it is when I say no, it's no, mm. I say yes, it's yes. And there's no coercion in between that. There's no outside force to compel me to force me against my will. My no is no. I love that. I'll take that with me and put it right in my back pocket. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked your, your, your moment to, when you, before you said, you know, just get grounded that pause. Mm. Um, it feels good to be able to, um, witness the, everyone, you know, the ability to take a pause and take a breath and to remember that. And, um, we're all so quick to talk. It feels good to witness the, yeah. the even, even on air with your show. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, Let's thanks. take a, a silence here for a minute, which I appreciate. I was a TV reporter for, for many years and, and um, on air, different markets. And there was this one, uh, Neil something, he was on ABC, was a World News Tonight um, reporter. And I watched him do something with this um, North Dakota farmer when fracking first came out and he was interviewing this farmer. And he asked the farmer a question and just left it hanging in the farm. I, I felt uncomfortable. There was so much, probably three seconds of silence, but I'm like, right. what's happening? And the farmer looks down and gives the most powerful sound bite. Like, yeah, real thinking, articulate person coming from their truth. You know, like they, yep. and I kept ruining sound bites as a reporter because I was not, I, I was so, so afraid. I mean, my story is, they grew up with a lot of trauma. And so I was always afraid and prolific people pleaser. So what I would ask a question as a reporter, if someone didn't answer right away, I'd get nervous and I'd ask him another question. 
And then they'd yeah. start to talk and I'd ruin that soundbite. It would always be the best soundbite and I'd ruin it. So I got a chance to see this reporter one time when I was back at the ABC affiliate, I was at Como TV in Seattle and I saw him. I was like, I have to ask you, like I have ruined so many interviews because I always hit a follow-up question. And he looked at me and said, it's the greatest trick you'll learn is just let that pause be the speaker. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's good. So <laughs> good. Like, oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Boom. Just. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. That's so good. Anyway. You know, when something you were saying earlier, one the other thing that's unique about this time to be alive is we really get to do the choose your own adventure books um, for real. I mean, we are living in a life in a time where we get to choose your own adventure where that really didn't exist before where you were born and the and the circumstances you were you were raised in were your was yours for most likely your lifetime you know the there you know if you were a farmer you you, you were a farmer for a lifetime if you were born in certain i mean this these things you know are this is so new where literally we have even a culture of self-help and a culture of um awakening awakened uh humans who are saying i want to live uh for joy i want to live to feel free i want to live to um you know, do the things that I'm here to do and self-actualize. Mm. And that's really unique to uh, our, this modern uh, world that's given us the the, the gift of, ch- of these, some of these choices. It's not everywhere, but it's, it's more, it's more available to us than it has been ever before, at least in, in here uh, in our country. Yeah. Um, and so with that, I think there's a lot of uh, anxiety and responsibility that comes with that, that can be um, almost lock us up, you know, because it's so much freedom, you know, just like, just like our, when you're little, you know, with little ones, they need, they need some structure and they need some, some guidance to feel safe and to feel, um, and to, and, and to, to walk strongly. And so, if you know, I'm looking at the youth right now, who, as we talked about, may be lacking in creativity or independence, um, as the parenting is, you know, it's the pilot parenting, and I've heard some different things going on. But the kids are having um, not getting the experiences of being three days on their own in the woods, or the freedoms that isn't completely associated with maybe how it was back in my generation when we were young before cell phones. Right. But um, now we're getting young adults and. Adults Adults our age as well who are we've got all this choice of and self-actualization and self-help books of like yes. be what you want to be and do what you want to do and live the big life and do your dreams and it's so exciting and in- inspiring but I think it can cause a lot of anxiety as well because it's like do we have you know do we have the tools for this freedom um, and 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 do we have you know do we lock up is it causing pressure um, because sometimes it is easier to just know your path. Um, I know that I've expressed to some close friends, I think the easiest time in my life, the time where I had the most ease was when I was pregnant and nursing and, and then with young children, mm. because I knew my job. That was like, it, I'd never, I've always been a bit of a wanderer. I've always done a little bit of this and a little bit of that and have gone from here to there and moved. And, you know, just, I've, you know, for me being grounded is not maybe what's normal. And it was the first time in my life where I knew exactly when I, what my job was, 
what I was there to do, what I was there to accomplish. And I knew how to do it. Well, I, for me, I felt good about that job. Yeah. But when my kids got older, they're now teenagers, young, two teenage boys. Wow. And that role of mama is not what it was. Um, I've had to kind of re I mean, I've, it was challenging still is of what is my, what's my job at age 45? What am I here to do? Um, what's my purpose? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that's actually one of my jokes with my ex-husband. Um, we, we spent a lot of years being really deep together, you know, a lot of deep thoughts. Sure. And he was the person I'd bounce off deepness. We 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 jump in jump into the deep end a lot. Uh, yeah. And um and so we now kind of make fun of ourselves a little bit about how mental that was. And so sometimes when he'll just be sharing something about something silly, I'll be like, "Why are we even here? What is our purpose?" <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. And it's, we just laugh, you know, because it's like, okay, thanks, I needed that, like, you know that that feedback, that reminder that we are you know we got we can't take ourselves too seriously here yeah, um, i have the fun the the childlike wonder i do a lot of inner healing ch inner child healing with people because that was the big thing that healed me was when i was at a a journey at a ceremony and and all of a sudden my little me showed up and I realized that my little, my little boy that I was, was not in me. He was out of me mm. and he wanted to come back in. He was tired and I was tired because I've kept this ego mask facade up for so long. The smile, the prolific people pleaser, the trying to get love from as people that will, are incapable of loving me from childhood and all these things. And it was when I realized that my little pure, innocent self wanted to come back in. I invited him back in like, like, like I get chills right now. It was so viscerally, I could cry actually. It was so powerful. It was so, yeah. it was everything. It was everything. And mm -hmm. now I do the same thing um, with people. Well, one of the things I learned after that was I never knew how to have fun. Hmm. It fun. I was not allowed to have fun. Um, yeah. it, it was, I was like, what is fun? And now that I have, you know, three children and, and it's like, wow, this is what, this is fun. This is what fun is. And so I think it, with the, and what is fun, fun is presence. Like that's all it is, is the now moment enjoying, you know, not having any, it's funny. It's like, we need the confines so that we know the boundaries to create from, but mm. in the present moment, when children are so present with their imagination, the now moment are the confines to create and have that place of like oh, wonder and stuff. Yeah. And that's so beautiful. I mean, not many people can have uh, a real self comeback the way you have and mm. be able to share that so eloquently. So, mm, you know, yeah way to be a hard a lot of this. i've done a lot of work <laughs> yeah it's, it's right I, I know i mean it's kind of um it, and i think in even in this contrast of our of past versus present you know in the past there's always been pain and abuse and trauma 
but there has never been a platform to talk about it mm. uh, in a way that we are all talking about it now. Um, yeah. And maybe not all of us, but some of us. Um, yeah. And and there's been times where I have said, I can't even talk, you know, for me personally, that's part of this nature connection because there's only so much talk I can do um, to where then it's like healing happens in in just in uh, in the authenticity of my participation mm. and presence, and I think that's a that's a big word is presence um, because I I still continue to have moments in my li adult life that just take that my mind is just like oh wow like and there's they're interesting they're simple they're they're not even you know they're they're just a moment in time for me that are that seem to unlock something that yeah. just affects me so deeply. Um, something you said about that little, little boy, little girl. Um, I remember when I, when I was going through a, a challenging time, um, I had a, a woman who I greatly admire, um, share with me, you know, I was crying and she was like, she was like, Jess, you got to remember that you are, you are the mother, you are your own yes. father. Yes. You are, you are your brother you are your own sister you're your daughter you are all of it in one embodiment and you have all the tools and all the people and all all of those all of those relationships live within you to heal like everything you need and it wasn't some you know it was just a dear woman who reminded me of that and it was it and I and I've stuck with that uh, you know there's been times when I find myself usually the evenings like nighttime's the worst for like <laughs> having a you know when like emotions yeah, yeah. um you know, like the dark dark night of of the soul all comes yeah. out at around 10 p.m or something right. Right. and um and i'm having moments and th that kind of mantra will come back to me like jess like there's really no one outside of you um you're all of it and you're you're the, you're the pathway through um you know for me i have had some um off experiences of having teachers, uh, spiritual teachers, mentors. I've had some that it just goes sideways. And I love it when I am reminded that I have all the tools I need and all to, to go within and to find my, my next moves. And, um, and I also ask for help. Um, even though I'm saying almost two things that are opposite of one another, I don't have a strong, I don't have a strong religion, uh, past or history to religion, but I feel deeply uh, supported and I feel deeply connected. And so whenever I also find myself very much feeling the isolation or a sense of where now, where do I go now? Um, I remind myself uh, to ask for help. Uh, I do believe the universe has our back. Uh, ultimately. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, okay. I, we, I do really want to get to the practicalness of prepping and talking about, oh, I, I want to stay in, in this, I'm reading the book of the Hopi, um, studying shamanism. And, and when I was in Japan a couple of years ago, learning about Shintoism and in Judaism, which I study with a rabbi, uh, well, I did for three years every week. And in Judaism, shamanism, Book of the Hopi and uh, Shintoism, they all have a thread that is similar. And it is that every, so in Judaism, they say that every living thing to the very blade of grass has an angel 
watching over that specific thing. It is the guardian of that life that it all, and think, and like, I was like, well, this makes sense. Why nature always is perfectly exact is mm. because there is a guardian over that, that life. There's an angel watching a blade of grass to make sure that the blade doesn't deconstruct into entropy and second law of thermodynamics blows everything away that there is a guardian to protect and keep life. And then we think of like the, our, our native ancestors on this land and like the, all the different spirits and all the different animals and all the different connections. And the book of the Hopi talks about the spider woman, which to me feels like the feminine energy. And it talks about this being that I can't pronounce his name, but he would be like the sun only he called the creator, the uncle Tiwa and the great creator commanded every living thing to love the creator and to love all that he has created in a walk in that love. Like that was it. That's what the Hopi were taught by. And in Shintoism, they believe that even a rock and the non-living thing, there's a spirit behind all things. Mm. So I thread these through and I think, cause I grew up heavily in religion. Like <laughs> it doesn't get heavier than what I grew up in a religion. Yeah. Um, and I think if the lights went out, if China detonates an EMP or the sun just decides to give a flare larger than we're prepared for and the lights go out and not in a fear-based thing, but just in a philosophical understanding of our world that we live in, we would remember what you're saying to ask for help. We would remember there's something that man's limitation in the physical realm we know is limiting, but it's not the fullness of what we can have access to. I really believe that when we get back into that soil and the earth and the energy and the, the sounds, the frequencies, the vibrations that we'll remember to ask for help again. I, you, all this I'm saying is you said, I asked for help. Yes. Cause you know, you, you hear that the mother willow and Pocahontas, there is that wisdom in all this that can only come from asking from help. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I haven't thought about it in that context. Um, so that's a really interesting thread that you just brought through. And, um, and these are very real things you're bringing up about uh, all these, all these potentials in our world. Um, I mean, the thing is, is, and this is back to fear-based living. The interesting thing is there are so many ways to go. I mean, you know, it's actually like, you know, sometimes it's fascinating to think in terms of all of these potentials because it's a rabbit hole of like what's, what's possible. Um, I know specifically since things have been so heated this last year with COVID, with politics, with, um, with, with so, so many top hot topics that um, where inundation of information is coming in from multiple sources for me on with multiple, you know, feelings and energy. around yeah. energy. Yeah. I mean, uh, the more that that started to take place for me and I could recognize there's important information being shared that is important to understand or learn, but the information coming in became too much for me um, it, as a sensitive human mm-hmm. um, because I am so acutely aware of my time here. And, um, and so the, 
I, this, I, I, I stepped out of this particular fight. Um, mm -hmm. like I, I literally stepped step this, I was like, this is actually not my fight. Um, there's some things that feel out of my control. There's some things that, um, I feel that the, the more I can just, um, ask for personal wisdom and, and follow my gut and do what's right for myself, uh, without spending too much mental energy, um, taking my life force down a, a path of, you know, that is volatile, um, that for me, and it's very unique to me because I really appreciate and honor the warriors out there on for whatever their whatever their message is mm -hmm. that they have the passion and the will to speak up on on those platforms. I really admire that. Um, no matter what your message is, yeah, if you have the energy, the to do it. Yeah, 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 then it's you know I I really am you know like wow that's cool. Um, and for me, I've had to, this year I have retreated to the woods, mm. um, and I've retreated to nature because there the the wisdom and maybe what you're saying here with uh, there is wisdom and um, energies living in the in the forest, and there's also intelligence. Yes. And that intelligence is hopefully um, where I'm going to gain that strength right now to be here of right now. Mm. Um, so that's that's an interesting piece. But, you know, I used I don't I don't know if you uh, if I mentioned this to you previously, um, we don't have to go into this too deep. But I think it's it's a fascinating read on, on my yeah, <laughs> yeah, my at my at my lowest moment this is the moment of when i was divorcing when i had two kids one had a major health issue at the time um i was stressed beyond max they felt there was a lump in my throat that i thought was cancer turns out it was just anxiety i was at the breaking point of my preparedness of you know creating my perfect uh storm of such tight preparedness that I had forgotten the joy of living and, and love based living um, to where I would be having a conversation probably about the, the inner chamber of like zombie, uh -huh. you know, I'd probably <laughs> be talking about what weapons would be involved. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I guess I could have gone there. Um, so I think when I hit that moment, I lost a job that meant a lot to me. My, my spiritual community, I left um, at the, all at the same time. It, of course, these things all seem to come crashing and burning down at the same time. But the spiritual community I was involved in, I stepped away from. So there went my friends, my community, my, my religion, my spirituality. And I was at like, I was numb, 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 numb. And I um, went onto Craigslist and saw that there was a job offering in cemetery sales at a large funeral home and cemetery. And I immediately called them and said, I would like a job at your cemetery. Um, and the guy I spoke with was like, well, come on in and I'll take you on a tour. And I, you know, <laughs> went in and this was the, this is a big one in Tacoma. Um, and I, I went in there and they were like, I think a little bit like, huh, what is this gal? What, what's her deal here? But I took the job on the spot. And the next day I started my career, my two year career in cemetery sales and pre-need funeral sales. Um, let me tell you, that was about the coolest thing I have ever done for myself. Wow. Um, I 
I sales are in my nature. My dad was sales. I, I got it in my blood. Yeah. Um, I, you know, because I love people sales to me is really relationships. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, I was a relationship builder. I always have been, um, it's my superpower. <laughs> so, 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 but I saw the dark side of the funeral industry for sure. I wasn't, I, you know, it was an exploration it was something I learned along the way, but the point being, I was going to work every day and either meeting with people who had just lost someone or who was about to lose someone, or I was observing in the back room, uh, you know, a room full of people who have passed away. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really, um, I'm being, I'm such a visual person and I'm such a visceral hand, you know, you know, experiential person. I remember, uh, going into one of the viewing rooms and there was a woman there who have, had been embalmed, makeup on hair, hair done. And I just went over to her and probably sat with her for oh, a while, a long while. You know, I touched her skin. It, it was cold. Mm -hmm. I observed what it looks like, you know, uh, you know, I'd see what death looks like. I would see, I needed to touch it and feel it and witness it because when my dad died, I was just really presented with a cremation uh, box and there was no integration. A uh, hundred years ago, if there was a death, we were, we had such a better relationship with death a hundred years ago. Yeah. Um, we, when someone would die, our, the family or community would come together. They would anoint that body. They would care for that body. Mm -hmm. There would be ceremony. There would be ritual. There would be a hands being held as they carried their loved one out to the back 40 to bury a grave, you know, to, to, to dig a grave. And then there would be this whole experience of that is what death looks like. Mm -hmm. That is, this person is gone now and we integrated differently. Now, you know, we have a funeral industry that takes over that process for us. They take it over. They took on the job and we let it go. We let that job out of our hands. And it, I do believe death is integration of death of our loved ones should be an inside inside job um because this is one of the most uh, other than a birth of life this is this is the exit out and this is how we as humans process our own lives and our own mortality and our own fear-based living and concerns is it is being able to really truly understand death and to see it feel it and to know it's okay it's actually a natural part of being human um and so that experience of working at the funeral home was one of the most impactful because I saw the bodies who were embalmed where we tried to kind of white glove the experience, make it look clean, make them look alive again. Mm -hmm. um, and actually how to me, I believe that's actually very uh, problematic for our, our psyche. Um, and I also witnessed what the, mm -hmm. those who had just come in who just died and what that looks like. And to me, when I left work every day there, it's like, I, there was never, bad day started going away. It was like, how can you have a bad day when you're not dead? Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless, because it's really self, it's really a, it, you get to, it's, it's your choose your own adventure. Yeah. You know, we have bad things that happen to us and we have terrible circumstances. Of course, everyone, you know, to some extent worse than others, yes, yes. but, um, but we're alive mm -hmm. and we are here to, you know, to, to, to explore that. So, so to me, it healed me, um, to be around the dead and to be around pain and to be around sadness and grief. Um, it was to me, what started, what, st what initiated things in another direction for me.
wow that that, <laughs> that alone is a podcast in and i know right it, that is a story and what a statement yeah messing with the psyche and making someone look alive when they're dead but they don't look alive and right it's not that's not uh i actually i took a death doula course many years ago um, when I left the funeral industry because I saw the industry. There's there's good people and there's there's good guys and bad guys in the, in any industry. And the funeral industry certainly has their fair share. Um, any kind of sale, sale-based industry is going to have profit as their bottom line. Yeah. And um, when I left the industry, I um, started researching green burial, natural burial, conservation burial, home funerals, um, I joined the National Home Funeral Alliance as a board treasurer to help um, educate and empower families on how that home funerals are legal and that they can care for their own at a time of death. Um, and I went through those studies and, and did some public speaking and uh, on advocacy and education just around death, holistic death care, because I do think it's a missing piece to um, where we've gone away from our, our natural instinct and our primal uh, nature. And it's also what's drawing me into hunting right now and um, learning fishing and hunting and, and you know, this relationship with death and the, and the natural th- way of things. Uh, it's a healing. You're a really awesome person. <laughs> you're, really fascinating. you're probably the most fascinating person I've ever talked to. <laughs> wow. Well, I knew we'd have good connection after listening to many of your podcasts now, since I'd been introduced to you, I was like, well, we're going to have a great conversation because there's a lot, a lot to talk about and a lot to explore. And I think this is a really exciting time because I think a lot of people are feeling feeling like something's missing and wondering what pieces, you know, uh, of the puzzle, you know, could possibly come together to make us return to a state of remembering what it feels like to be free and to be whole. And um, that, that I, I feel like I hear that across the board a lot. I want to ask you what you think on some things, but first let me, um, for everyone listening, this, you and I doing this podcast is divinely timed for what my soul wants to express to this world. Last week, I started to do a podcast and I was in a, I was in like a spiritual war for two weeks straight. I was angry at the state of the world. I was angry that men had not risen to say no to this a lot sooner um, I saw the divine feminine rising, but I'm looking around for brothers, you know, not my own brother is amazing, but more than just two, <laughs> you know, look around the world, like where, where, hello, like what is happening? And I was just in this, like, I'm like <sighs> um, I got called in for jury duty selection as one of one, like one of 35 jurors. And this is not everyone i'm a everyone listening i hope everyone knows i'm live and let live so what i say for me is not what i would apply to all however what i do believe for me i would apply to all which is live and let live and and freedom of of choice the judge asked and they're all social distance and the the, there so we're all social distance it's all through zoom and they're all wearing masks and he said 
to be a juror, you have to come in and wear a mask for four hours and you get a break and then you put a mask on again. Does anyone have a problem with that? And I raised my hand and I was the only one. And I looked around at all there, all these people, big man, like guys, I'm like, I'm the only one. And he said, what, what problem do you have wearing a mask? I said, I've never worn one. I don't believe in them. And I will not wear one. And it was like, mm-hmm. I kicked him in his gut. It was like, and he got angry. Yeah. Got really angry. And here I am telling a judge. <laughs> right. I won't comply. And he looked at me and this, you felt this, and this was during this already two week period where I'm ready to fight everyone. Like you want, all right, I guess we're going to do this. Like, if this is what we're going to do, I guess this is what we're going to do. Um, and he looked at me and he was like, you could feel like he wanted to get me. And Mm -hmm. he's like, what if I order you to? Whoa. Wow. And I looked at this judge and all these people are on, you know, it was on the, the gallery view. So you could see, and I could feel everyone, I, you could feel everyone's buggers, butt. Energetic buggers. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's butt puckered and like their stomachs clenched. You it felt yeah. this real intense moment. And I looked away to break the energy between him and I, I looked down, I gave that pause and I looked back up and I said, I don't want to break the law, but I will not wear one. And he, he said, I'll make note of that, like in a threatening way. And I was eventually dismissed off the case, but I bring all this up to say, I told the story, but what I meant to say last week, I wanted to talk about being prepared and I was not yet in a good place to talk about it. And yet here we are. And I want everyone to be prepared. I worked in a grocery store from six, my very first job, um, W2 job was working in a grocery store and I worked to pay my way through college um, working in a grocery store. And I knew, I knew back then that grocery stores only have three days food supply. Hmm. And so one, once a week, the trucks will come and it's based on what inventory sells and doesn't sell. And there's just and now everything's automated where, you know, there's RFID chips. And so they'll know like, oh, three cans are taken and everything's automated, but there's pretty much only three days food supply um, in grocery stores. And I wasn't, like I said, I was a reporter and I was trying to find myself in, I don't even know how I would describe it, but when my wife and I had our first baby and we we're here in Bellevue and there was a big ice storm nine years ago or eight years ago in Seattle. And it, the ice was so bad, it took the power out and then trucks couldn't even get into parking lots. And so by the time we went to um, Trader Joe's out in Issaquah, all the perishable foods had been destroyed. The power went out and they all spoiled. So it Mm -hmm. took another week for the perishable foods to get shipped back into the store. And I thought I will never, and I was already aware of you, <laughs> but I was like, that's it. I will never not be prepared for me and my family ever again. So I went deep into the world of prepping. Yep. And I know that it goes way further that, you know, it goes a hundred times further than where I was able to do it, but I have done it. I do believe in it for the very reason, not even fear-based, and I used to be fear-based, is to be sovereign. 
is mm-hmm. to not be reliant on a power structure that makes us comply in order to receive. I just, my soul is viscerally opposed to being forced against my will. I will not do anything that <laughs> against my will ever again. I'd rather die than comply to t- tyranny. That is I'm very clear on that. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is a really interesting, um, almost dichotomy that we find ourselves in right now, because, um, you know, uh, in our ancestral past, there was no, I mean, they, there's, you live with the land, you know, you have all the skills you need in a community Mm -hmm. to provide for families, you know, to hunt, to gather to, um, to provide shelter. I mean, those things were interwoven into the day and into what you're born into. You just, this is, this is how you live life with nature and still procreate the species. <laughs> like we, you know, humans have figured it out yeah. in this time where we live now, we have almost set ourselves up almost for failure for that experience because we live, we have city centers. And if you live, unless you live by your, you know, in, in, in some kind of community of sovereign, you know, beings who are doing this full time, um, we are really at odds with sovereign living that they're, they're really, it almost doesn't, it's, it's almost unattainable in, in terms of everything. If the lights were to go out tomorrow, Mm-hmm. indefinitely yeah. um you know the city centers of any kind are not set up and our skill sets aren't set up right. to to take on the long haul now i do think it's important uh, you know i know the the mormon communities they they have their uh, you know they teach to have a year's worth of food mm-hmm. in storage and um and and with that they 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 also teach how to rotate mm-hmm. um so that because in my uh, in the 10 years that I did prepping, I witnessed so much waste and mm-hmm. it, it became gross, actually, to see how much people were buying in food, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing these ma- thousands of dollars of food and food storage and then not knowing how to take care of it or to rotate it, mm-hmm. um, bring it into their diet. And then the food, you know, 20 years goes by. They you know, moisture is a problem, things happen, they move, (laughs) divorces, and that food just goes to waste. And then that to me is a real gross example of humans as consumers, completely out of alignment with, um, with the way with the natural way of things. Um, So there's this extremes on both sides, where in a short term emergency, you know, couple weeks, Um, it makes sense to have food storage, um, because then, you know, you can make it through, uh, with your family, your family's going to eat, they're going to have water, you know, having some water tanks, having some, you know, your basic needs met would be very important and wise in it, in any environment to, to, to know, you, you know, you can make it for a couple weeks, but then there's that, that next level thing, which is, you know, what if we, what if we were in a cataclysmic event that, took us out for, you know, of normalcy for the long haul. Well, then, you know, your one year of food is going to run out. Um, Now, and then what, you know, have you developed that relationship um, and and a community connection with others? Because I also think it's very hard for people to think they're going to do that alone. Mm. Um, 
I, I think, you know, I, the, even the 10 years that I was, I had full food production garden and was canning and, you know, all the stuff, I still had to go to the store for things, you know, I still had to use what was in my storage. Um, and I was totally out of alignment with even the weeds that were growing in my backyard that provide some nourishment, um, didn't have the skills to hunt. Um, but there is, we are find ourselves in a very challenging time. If you, if you are both conscious of what's what of sovereignty Mm -hmm. and Sir, and the will to survive a, a long haul a cataclysmic event, mm. you are going to have some tricky moments ahead to really define how that looks and feels so that life still is beautiful and has a fruitful energy of joy, but also is empowering that you don't feel a victim to this the, the circumstance of the modern world. Mm. Um this is a real interesting dichotomy to me. Yeah. And I, yeah. I challenge myself with it all the time. So for me right now, I was speaking, one of my favorite questions that I do like to ask people just when I meet them and we're having a conversation, I'll be like, so what's your zombie apocalypse plan? <laughs> you know, that's like such a great, that says it all. Like I kind of yeah. can tell about you <laughs> from your response. Right. Um, right. And I actually, I, I met up with a gentleman named Bruce McGlenn, who he, he has human nature hunting is his, he's founder of human nature hunting up in Kettle Falls, Washington. Wow. And he's bringing groups out real beautiful man, very, you know, very connected to the earth. Mm-hmm. He's bringing groups of people out to, to Kettle Falls uh, for four day intro to the path of the hunter. Mm-hmm. And they go through, you know, some, I, I like his program. Um, and he actually partnered with me for wild kind Academy and, and my new business launch and did a shellfish forage event here on the uh, hood canal cool. with a group of people. So I, I like his style. He's, you know, he's into food and harvesting food, yeah. but I asked him that question and being that he's a guy who has this big property and, or, you know, he's got land, he's yeah. skilled hunter, forager. And his response was intriguing to me. He said, um, my, my plan is to go lightly. I, my plan is to go lightly, to live lightly. Mm-hmm. And for someone like me who had every gear ima- imaginable and, and I mean, like I even had, I even had for, for the, for the bunker at the time we had a great Dane dog and I bought a great Dane dog size basically toilet that would go down into the underground shelter to handle that dog going to the bathroom. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I mean, That's okay, a- I had gear. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. um, and so, but the struggle with that is that the more I had, the more I felt not free to travel or to, you know, to leave the to leave the land, to leave the area, because if, if any of thing were to happen while I was gone with my kids, I would never forgive myself that I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh-huh. And I had all these preparations back home. So it, it I slowly, my world got smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And the more stuff I had and the more prepared I was. Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked his view on things that it's like light of heart, light, light of, light of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, light of, um, because I don't know if we have much control in this day and age for our modern life on some of these things, we're going to do our best, Yeah, yeah. but, but, you know, it would take a community of people, you know, to, you need your beekeeper, yeah. you know, you 
need your ham radio operator. You yeah. need your, um, you know, you need your specialist for, uh, you need your seed saver, people who'd have the skills to know how to save seeds um, and harvest the seeds from the harvest. You need people to know how to preserve food, people to know how to hunt, people to fish, yeah. people to, you know, uh, make goods, uh, to weave things, to make clothing. I mean, this is so yeah. mind boggling to me. Yes. yes. It's a conundrum. <laughs> and this is now I'm glad we're, we're at this place. And if you have to, we're going over. So if you have to go, you let me know. No, I, I, this I, is great. I, yeah. I, I love this. Um, I think having everyone listening have, have min, minimum two weeks apply because it's not even about survival. It's, staying out of the chaos that would happen. That's like priority mm. number one and any chaos, yeah. any chaos, yeah. like just, you don't want to be around frenetic energy. If people are operating from full fear, you just want to be able to stay out. So have a couple of weeks at minimum 30 days for, and think about how you eat now under stress, think about like, so 30 days, if you're stressed out and you're not conscious could turn into two weeks worth very quickly. So think through all those things. And yet what you just said of the community, I've been thinking a lot about this. So I want to ask your, your thoughts on what you think, because in one way they talk about the new earth coming, the new earth, the new earth. And I don't know how it's going to work. And I know that I believe there's been multiple resets on this planet and different groups and Tartarians and all these empires that have existed that they don't teach us about and all these buildings that there's this one theory that every state capital building, all the domes built in the United States were Tartarian castles. Whoa. Because they're saying, you're telling me pioneers and wagons built these things. What did the U S have unlimited budget? of dollars to build these don't how did the who built these things where did they come from and if you look up the wikipedia uh explanation they're like the silliest explanation like built in three years built in two years but i'm like oh wow that's yeah so that's one idea of like the peoples that existed but this concept of community is also so beautiful to me it's and i'm not saying like um i mean the amount of hard work i mean it will be guttural change. It will be like a complete shift, but how beautiful it would be to incorporate the true technologies that I think have been withheld from humanity, electromagnetism, just the concept of a magnet and that energy. What is that? They know how to harness that energy, but they don't tell us they're hooked. We're hooked to a grid. We're, sl we're slaves to this, the system in to a degree, but how beautiful would it be? if we could combine the natural energetic field of this planet, the truth that is available with the community of all that, that to me would be so incredible. And the reason I thought about this, I went Turkey hunting with my brother and some buddies of his um, and I saw turkeys, but we didn't get any. And I was sat out there, didn't move. My everything fell asleep. You know, I'm so uncomfortable. I had so many ticks on me. It was ridiculous, but I watched nature and I've, hunt, I've hunted for years, but this was a different thing for me. I think I'm in a different place, but I hunt, I just sat and I saw 
turkeys walking. I saw doves. I saw deer and elk and life never stressed about where it was going to eat. I just mm-hmm. saw them eating. The deer were hungry. They bent down and ate. The, the dove was collecting whatever it was collecting. I sat right next to its nest and uh, didn't disrupt it. And it finally came back to these little beautiful eggs. And I'm like, nature is not concerned and stressed about living. We mm-hmm. are so stressed about living. But the natural right. state of nature is nature, which we're right. part of. And I think this is why I had me thinking of like, how beautiful would it be when humanity remembers the, it's not even skills, probably an innately somewhere in the chamber of the brain that they blocked off somehow. They tell us we can only access 8% when what's in the other, you know, 92%. There's probably a lot of stuff that is there. But to me, it would be so incredible to have a world where the city structure is not present, but humanity is living with each other in that way. I don't know. I just don't know how to describe it. I can feel it. Yeah. And I think the ways that we, we, there are ways we can access that now, you know, it doesn't have to be this um, utopia of of, a modern future uh, world. You know, so here we are, I, I take on a new plant every week. You know, I, I try to just, I take out my, you know, foraging through the seasons. I, I take classes Mm. and I just, I take one plant and I go out and I harvest, I find it, I go on nature walks, I find it, I harvest it, I incorporate it into a meal or a medicine. Mm. And that, it does two things. It, number one, brings me joy. There's just, you know, when our, our you know, the aesthetic of being outside, um, what it does for our brains, this, you know, the science is out there. We, you know, this, the, we all know what, what nature bathing does for our bodies and minds and spirits. Yeah. So it's joyful, yeah. but it's empowering. And it feels like something I'm doing that, that is like taking that step of, of sovereignty and empowerment. It's just one plant. Mm. Um, and, and, the, and, and you do that over time. And next thing you know, you can name some plants and you can, you know, what's happening in the season of uh, this spring, I know what to look for. Um, and you become a little more seasonally aligned, which I think is something that we lose track of when we live in um, temperate, you know, uh, rooms where we control the temperature, we control what, you know, our, our access to, you know, we, we lose touch. With the seasons, if we're not outside engaging the smells and the sounds and the feels of what spring is, mm-hmm. um, which then really gives us that 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 engagement that you know that we kind of miss out in our modern world. So, so that is just wonderful. I'm taking the path of learning hunting. Uh, this will be my first year hunting, um, although I have been fishing my butt off this last year and a half, um, fishing a lot. And I like the idea of fishing for food. You know, I like I like it when when the food I'm harvesting incorporates into a meal. Yeah. To me, that that makes it you know relevant. Like yes. you yes. know, so the, I I'm enjoying taking on like what's around me, you know, what rivers, what streams, what lakes. I went out to Westport. Uh, recently and did some jetty fishing right off the jetty is hiked out there with my with the pole and brought in you know black you know bottom fish uh lingcod you know and it's like 
this is right here. We live in a very abundant place in Washington state. The Pacific Northwest in general has a lot to offer. I think, you know, if we're having these conversations about survival and you, you know, you live in the desert um, and there's not a lot growing, well, that, I don't know. I, I actually know nothing about that. That would be an interesting um, uh, learning of, of what would be needed to survive in a desert, what would be needed to survive. But we happen, you know, I know I'm learning my area. No. I think that's the thing is wherever you live, you learn about your area and what's, what is abundantly being offered. Um, and, and then, you know, I start to make relationships with my neighbors. Um, I know I, I'm blessed that I have a, a, a dairy farm right down the road. And I have a relationship with a, a, a woman who she runs her own deal and it's a raw farm. So she has, you know, awesome. raw milk, yeah. raw products. So, yeah. you know, and I, I know people who are gardening and I know people who are, have honeybees. And, um, and I think what we can do right now is build community around like-minded people who value these things, because not only are they great relationships to have, they nourish you in, in these explorations. They, they, um, encourage you and make you want to, to show up to the, to the door with more to offer. It's like, right. Hey, you have this skill. I'm learning this skill. Um, and I think those, those are important relationships to have so that if we were in a, a crisis, um, yes, having, having that two week, I mean, I'd say definitely a month of, um, and I think freeze dried food is a, is a great way to store food just because it, the shelf life is so long. So that investment, um, lasts for a long time. Um, if stored well and uh, it's very tasty and you just add water, but then make sure you have water storage, ah. um, and, you know, uh, water tanks. And again, in Pacific Northwest, we are blessed to have rain. So rain catchment systems and ways to harvest water um, mm -hmm. when it's so available to us. Um, I mean, these things are they're available to us, but they're a time investment. They are an investment for sure. Um, but it's an opportunity. And if we all could be building community around this and talking about it, it probably would feel good no matter where we are with it. It would be, yeah, fruitful. It's such a beautiful um, practice to, and it's really a, a form of self-love to learn these things. I really do believe that is, is, um, to love yourself is to know, like you're saying, you're, we are our own mothers and fathers. I'll send you a video that I did after this, um, that I teach on, but yeah, we all, all is that's within us. So if we know how to contribute and prepare and be whole in all ways, spiritually, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, all these facets, feels good. It, feels it does. Yeah, it feels good. And you know, the other thing that I went through in my survival, my survival days, the hardcore stuff, the zombie stuff, um, it had a lot more, um, the view, my worldview was really focused on myself and my family, which is a good thing to be focused on. Yep. But it became myopic, it became, you know, where it's like survival situation, it's us against the world, you know, we will hunker down, we'll do this thing. And then as I kind of moved out of that, and I actually took an urban, um, I took a course that was kind of like an urban first aid um, uh, disaster preparedness course that was offered um, for the urban setting. 
And there was, it, it, it kind of opened up my eyes and, and ma made me see outside of that myopic view that if a disaster were to happen, an earthquake, some, some calamity that were to cause problems, mm -hmm. you know, um, that you should know your neighbors. You should absolutely know your neighbors, introduce yourself to your neighbors, let them know your name, you know, find out who they are. Do they have medical issues? Do they, you know, are they, uh, or is it a, a person living alone? You know, do they have family nearby? And in this particular course, they even gave us a packet where you could, you keep a little sign in your, you know, that if there was a disaster, you could put up a sign in your window that says, okay, or need help. Mm. Um, you know, and that when you um, are kind of being a leader for your community and for your small neighborhood or your small community, be a leader and, you know, take these initiatives to, check in with your neighbors, know who they are. And then if something were to happen, you take care of yourself, your immediate family, of course. But then as that leader, you walk through and you check on your neighbors and you make sure, you know, uh, and you see what's going on. I also took the Wilderness First Responders course and back in March, my WIFR, and that was a 10 day, um, awesome. I would recommend everybody take the wilderness first responders course, because it's, you know, it's, it's learning uh, all of the medical, you know, medical skills for recognizing, you know, problems with the heart, heat stroke, trauma, head trauma, spine injury, you name it, we, we cover it because it's meant for people who are in the back country who may not have access to calling an ambulance. Yeah. But that education was so powerful to me. I learned so much and it was empowering to feel that I have a basic understanding of how to help a neighbor or how to help my own family if you couldn't call 911. Um, and that to me is a powerful education that, um, that we should all have. Um, and the more people that have that, the more we're out recreating and enjoying the back country, the more we could count on a, a friend coming by and saying, oh gosh, you need a hand, you've got a broken ankle, let me help you, let's splint this, you know? and we help one another. Mm. So um, that's where I start to light up now where I'm at is how, because my time here feels very just short and precious. I, so even if the worst things were to happen, it's like, well, who am I now and how am I showing up? So, you know, cause I could, I could die even in the calamity of something stupid, you know, like, <laughs> and then it's like, well, did I go check on my neighbor? You yeah. know, and in my last moments, am I am I hunkering down with the guns, telling people to get off my property, which I can understand in yeah. some scenarios. That yeah. actually that makes a lot of sense if there's yeah. zombies, yeah. especially zombies. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, or you know, did I spend my last days, you know, just doing all I can to and that and I because I know my heart would feel good, you know, and my and my last breath would be like, all right, peace out. Yeah. <laughs> Job well done. Yeah. Job well done. Yeah. yeah. Game over. Get this game anyway. This particular game. Yeah, that's right. Round one. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever yeah. round. Yeah. Um, I think that's perfect segue into I want everyone to find you, follow you, engage, go to your website. Um I'm excited to learn from you, do something. I was my wife and I are gonna come connect with you. I love to learn. Cool. It's so important. I'm hungry for that. I've, I've cooked nettles, uh, you know, like fiddlesticks. Someone was like, they yeah. have high car, heart, they're carcinogenic. I'm like, well, less so than probably 
the hot dogs that we're eating or whatever, yeah, or, you know, sure. like, yeah. um, but I just love the whole concept. So how can people find you and follow you and support you? Well, thanks. Yeah. So I just launched the website. It's uh, wildkindacademy.com. Mm. And uh, wildkind to me, uh, well, it just spoke to me. It's like, it's, it's, you know, it's not, um, it's a, it's a fluid word that really just speaks to the heart of people who have, uh, who are wild kind. I, I, you know who you are. <laughs> and, um, and right now my main goal is to write a rewilding 101 course that would be available as a product online. Um, but I, you know, just so that that can reach more people, um, since we all live all over the place and it's hard to have live events sometimes, but I also am putting on, um, you know, that's through the online Academy, but there's also, um, I'm going to be live adventure field trips and retreats that I'll be building as, as time goes on. I've certainly brought in some amazing instructors to teach basket weaving, intro to fish tanning. Um, this, you know, I've had, if I find it, if there's a great instructor out there who has an amazing skill that they want to share, uh, reach out through my website because I think finding there's people who are really good at what they do and are very passionate about um, traditional skills, ancestral skills, or maybe it's hunting, fishing, um, you know, bring it on. We need great instructors and to teach a course. And then eventually I'd like to also be bringing, have my own coursework where I'm bringing people uh, together in community. So um, all of that's coming. This is a real new launch for me. I haven't even really officially launched the website. It's just, it just got up and this is a dream and it's got vision. And then on Instagram, uh, you can find me Jess underscore Wildkind Academy. And um, I'm also on Facebook as just Wildkind Academy. Beautiful. I'll so, put all those links too in the show notes so people can go follow you, support you, sign up, get on your mailing list. And yeah, the mailing list is great because that's yeah. where I'll have all the info coming out for sure. Sister, I'm so thankful we got a chance to talk. This is really, you're just really probably the most fascinating person I've ever spoken with. So thank you. And, and such a compliment. Oh, oh my goodness. So beautiful. Thank you. And thanks for Thanks for journeying the way you've journeyed and thanks for being here to share it. Oh, heck yeah. Thank you for bringing me like just that we found this connection and that you have this channel that you get to share with all of the wonderful people and mm. conversations you have. It's a real power tool and it's a great time to have this tool to share these things and, and people, you know, you're doing the great work and it's a, a, you're a light to the world. So thank you so much. Thank yeah. And for everybody for taking, this is a long one, but yeah, it's awesome. Everybody it's awesome. Too. <laughs> I love it. Make sure you go to Jess's website, sign up to her for her email alerts, follow her on Instagram. Um, and make sure you have minimum of 30 days supplies. Just make sure you have it. This isn't, um, fear-based. It's not doomsday. It's just being a sovereign being is being able to take care of yourself and your family when things may or may not get disrupted, but you're not relying on that. You're not going to have that anxiety, that fear, that stress. If the supply chain, for whatever reason, gets disrupted for a little bit, be it natural disaster, be it social conflict, whatever it is, make sure you're prepared. Make sure you're walking in love. You're releasing fear. You're receiving love. You're taking that breath. You're pausing. Everything, my dear brothers and sisters, is going to be okay. Everything. It is up to you and I how we are going to internally 
allow love to fill every void inside of us so that when change happens, which is inevitable because the only constant is change, but when major changes happen, you will be able to stay grounded, stay aligned and stay in love because you will have done the work both externally and internally. So I'm thankful that you all join me. Make sure you like, subscribe, share this podcast out. I think this is an important one to share out with, with people. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, um, hit the like button. And if you're listening on podcasts, I'd appreciate if you could go rate this, um, share it, give the Golden World Revolution um, a rating and a comment. I bless you all. Thank you all. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com.